Hello everyone, this is Jerome. I serve as a community pastor here at First Christian Church. Welcome to our brand new podcast. I'm so glad that we get to serve you today through this message. God bless you. Let's get into the word. Right on. I, I love that song. It, uh, it reminds me of our early days in Taiwan when we were thinking, Lord, what have we done? I mean, here we are, nobody's responding, nobody's interested. Um, It was almost six years before one single person came to faith in Christ. And we came like this close to just throwing in the towel, and and, uh, we didn't, and that's another story. And then it seems like the moment we told God, okay, we're not going to quit, he just opened up the floodgates and um, started touching people's hearts. <clears throat> and uh, our little church outgrew five meeting places. And um, sorry, I wasn't going to do this. All right, come on. Somebody help me out here. All right, get a grip. Thank you. Uh, so, our. I, you know, we, because of that, because of God's faithfulness to us, um, not long after our commitment to, to stay, the church was just growing. And I can remember on Sundays just standing in the back and looking at a hundred people, pagans that had come to know their creator, doing what you guys do and worshiping the Lord. And it was just so cool. God is faithful and um, his message is, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Galatians 6, 9. Right on? So also during that time in Taiwan, we experienced tropical storms. And uh, in the Pacific, they're called typhoons. In the Atlantic, they're called hurricanes, but it's the same thing. Um, lots of wind, lots of rain. And I can remember our, our first typhoon in Taiwan. We looked at the satellite image on the TV, and it was like, 20 times bigger than the little island of Taiwan. We thought, oh no, we're, we're just, we're, we're dead. You know, we're going to die. This island is going to be capsized. And, uh, but it wasn't. We all went into our steel reinforced concrete homes until the storm passed. And then we went outside and cleaned up a little storm debris and nobody got killed and we went on about our lives. And then I would watch or hear the news about hurricane season in America on the Atlantic seaboard and how every year the hurricanes would come and just absolutely destroy neighborhoods and and towns built out of wood. And then the storm would blow over and we'd bury our dead and we'd start rebuilding our towns and neighborhoods out of wood. And I thought, hmm, those Americans didn't learn the lesson of the three little pigs. We heard it growing up. It didn't. It just went right by us, didn't it? The wolf blew down the little piggy's house made out of straw, and the wolf blew down the little piggy's house made out of sticks. But w- when he came to the little piggy's house made out of bricks, he huffed and he puffed and he could not blow that house down. Hmm. You'd think maybe we would figure that out. So if anybody wants to start a construction company on the Atlantic seaboard with me and build homes out of steel reinforced concrete, we'll be billionaires. Um, 
I don't have time for that because I got to do this. But anyway, so, you know, I, and so Jesus talked about storms too. One time he said this, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the storm came and the streams rose and the winds beat against that house, it stood strong because it had its foundation on the rock. But whoever hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, on the Atlantic seaboard, in America. And when the storm came and the streams rose and the winds beat against that house, it fell with a great crash. And that's all Jesus said. And he left it up to us to connect the dots. So as we talk about rebuilding here at FCC, please, please understand that this is not some amazing strategy that your pastor has come up that will lead us all into a successful future. This is about paying attention to the words of Jesus and making sure that we're building our house on Him and on His Word at every single turn. And when we think about this, here, here's what we must remember. And that is that we have to always rebuild what is broken so it's stronger than before. And on a new foundation sometimes. With the people present, and that's you, with a vision for the future. So, we're going to talk about how we can hunker down and rebuild some things that have been sort of limping along. We've all taken a hit during this past few months in this pandemic culture of social unrest. And it's been challenging personally. It's been challenging to the church and to our nation. But God is faithful and he's promised that we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. He's going to be right in there with us. And he's kind of waiting to see what we're made of, I think. So our story for this whole series, and especially this morning, comes from the book of Nehemiah, the first three chapters. And we're going to look at Nehemiah's blueprint. And it's very interesting. Um, it's not that Nehemiah was this master architect and had all this construction experience. He, he had none of that. But he was sensitive to the heart of God. And Nehemiah <clears throat> lived during the Babylonian captivity where God had judged his people for their rebellion and he did as he had promised and he brought the Babylonians and they carried the Hebrew people off into exile into Babylon. And... Um, what they did was the Babylonians and the Persians, the Assyrians, they would always carry off the upper crust back to their home country and put them to work serving. Some of them were very talented people like Nehemiah, and so their governments benefited from these really smart Jews that they carried off. Uh, they left the poorest of the poor in the land, and then they transplanted other foreign peoples that they had conquered to intermarry with the Hebrew people to break down their culture and hopefully weaken them which never really did happen, but that was the intention. So Nehemiah found himself in the service of the Babylonian king Artaxerxes I. This is about 445 B.C. And Nehemiah had a job, and he was the cupbearer to the king. So he got to 
sample all the wine before Artaxerxes did and just make sure it was safe and that if Nehemiah didn't, didn't keel over, then Artaxerxes would have his wine. And uh, one day, Nehemiah had some guests visit him from back in Judah, and the report was not good. They said, Nehemiah, it's not good for our people back there. They're not doing well, and the wall is broken down. Our enemies have, are on us all the time. And Nehemiah was cut to the heart. And it's interesting that, you know, he recognized there was an enemy. And this enemy was people in this kingdom. But they were not favorable to the Jews like King Artaxerxes had become. He knew that. But he also recognized the reason for the destruction. And his first reaction was not some kind of patriotic anger. His first reaction was, oh God, we've sinned against you. And in the first chapter of Nehemiah, you can read his prayer. It's amazing. Here's part of it. He said, Lord, King of heaven and earth, creator of everything, I confess the sins that we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. And here's Nehemiah pouring his heart out to God on his face, on his knees in repentance and confession for himself and his own people. And I thought, wow. I've heard a lot of sermons about the book of Nehemiah, but nobody's ever focused on that. There's some parallels for America here. We've left God behind. There's no mention of him or pursuit of him at all in our mainstream culture here in America. And I thought, Nehemiah confessed his own sin, the sins of his family and his entire nation. And I thought, wow, we're, we're thinking about this whole idea of rebuilding here at FCC. I wonder what sin FCC needs to confess. If we're going to follow Nehemiah's blueprint, he started out on his knees. And so, I thought of three sins. So, this is your pastor talking, and aren't you glad you don't have my job? So, here's the first sin that I'd like to you all to consider that I think maybe we need to repent of. It's called the older brother syndrome. And before I explain that, I'm just going to tell you a story of Jesus. It's in Luke chapter 15. It goes like this. The tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. They're hanging on his every word. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered against Jesus and said, hmm, Look at him. He welcomes sinners and he even eats with them. So Jesus told them three stories just like that. I'm going to jump to the third one. Once upon a time, there was a man who had two sons. And one day the younger came to him and said, Dad, I want you to give me my share of the inheritance now. So his father divided his estate between his younger son and his older son not long after that. His younger son gathered up 
all the money that he had inherited early, and he left and he moved to a distant land where he wasted his father's wealth in wild living. And not long after that, a famine hit this country and he began to be in need. After he had squandered everything, he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And this citizen sent him to work in his fields feeding pigs. This was a Jewish boy, by the way. Imagine. And he was so hungry that he longed to fill his belly with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. And one day he finally came to his senses and he said, Look at me. Even my father's hired servants have food to spare, but here I am starving to death. I'm going to go home and I'm going to get on my knees before my father and say, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Please make me like one of your hired servants. So he set off and when he was still a long way off, his dad saw him from the front porch and instead of waiting, he ran to him and embraced him. And the original language says, and he would not stop kissing him. And the son knelt down and he said, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. His father said to one of his servants, quick, go get a robe, put it on him and a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and kill the fatted calf because we must celebrate this son of mine who was dead is alive and who was lost is found. And think of the father's joy. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son came in from the field where he'd been working. <clears throat> and he heard the sound of music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and he said, what's going on? And the servant said, your father has killed the fatted calf. We're celebrating because your brother has come home. But the older brother became angry and he wouldn't go in and join the party. So pretty soon his father comes out and begs him to come in. But the son replies, Father, I've been with you all these years. I've slaved for you. And not once have you ever given me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours, who has wasted your wealth on prostitutes, has come home and you kill the fatted calf for him? And the father said, but... But son, you've always been with me and everything I have is yours. But this brother of yours was dead and he's now alive. He was lost and now he's found. We must celebrate. You know, here at FCC, man, we, we give a lot of airtime and attention to our younger brothers and sisters who are finding their way out of the kingdom of darkness into the family of God who have reached up and grabbed the hand of the Lord who has pulled them out of this deep, dark pit. Sometimes years in prison and they're finding new life and they're finding a home here with us. And some of us, quite honestly, have been jealous of that and resentful of the time and attention that we give to our younger brothers and sisters who are coming home. And we need to repent of that. I also 
as your pastor, want to repent of not being sensitive to some of you who have been here for a long time, and especially to our young families and our children and our students. And I've, I've caused many of you to believe that you're not as important as some of these other people with these dynamic stories of, of redemption. And it's not true, but I own the fact that I've made some of you feel that way. So I'm repenting of that. But I want everybody here to know, may there be no mistake that when people come out of darkness into the light and they find new life and they're experiencing the family of God with us here at FCC, we will celebrate. That's who we are. Jesus, in his two previous stories about the lost sheep and the lost coin, said, there is more rejoicing in heaven before God and the angels of one sinner who repents than of 99 people who do not need to repent. And we do not want to miss out on the celebration. Right on? The second sin that I thought of as your pastor is that we have too few workers here. Jesus said, the, look at the harvest. <clears throat> it's plentiful, it's ripe, it's ready, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will raise up workers to send into his harvest. People, that needs to be you and me. You know, after, after harvest... The grain gets made into flour. It goes into the oven. You can smell it. And when the bread comes out, those who participated and labored in the harvest and have been salivating over the moment that the fruit of their labor comes out of the oven will be at that table. And so will those who didn't participate in the labor of the harvest. Who do you want to be? The third sin that I thought of here is that we have too few givers. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. People, that is the summation of an economic principle in God's economy. It, it is, and it's, it's this thing where the more willing we are to part with what he's blessed us materially and financially, the more he opens the floodgates of heaven, according to Malachi, and pours out so much blessing, we aren't able to contain it all. And, and what, he's, what he's asking for is, from his children is this. Are you willing to trust me on 90% of your income and give 10% to the work of my kingdom? If you will, I will take care of you better on the part than you can take care of yourself on the whole. And it's kind of like what Jesus said to Peter. Okay, Peter, let's see what you're made of. Get out of the boat. If you want to walk on water, people, you have to get out of the boat and experience this life of faith that God has called us into. Here at FCC, um, we have an average number of 96 givers per week. 96 people give something every week, at least that we know of. 
Um, if you just put cash in without your name, we don't know about that, so we can't give you a receipt to take that off your taxes, so you might think about that. Um, last week, we had 238 people in attendance, so, you know, we're down, we've taken a hit from COVID, but anyway, those are the numbers. I don't know who you are as givers. I, I, I don't need to know that. I just know the numbers. So, um, out of that 238 people, 195 were adults, um, whether participating in person or online. And so the givers make up about 49% of the total attendance that we track on Sunday. About 49%. So that means that slightly less than half of us are carrying the other half financially. <clears throat> so I'm just putting it out there to you. Are you helping to carry the load or are you being carried if you're being carried, then guess what? You're part of the load. You're missing out on the joy of participating in this thing. And I'm not going to hammer on that or, or harp on that. I'm just putting it out there that that's, that that's where it is. And as your pastor, I want you to experience the joy of what happens when you trust God with part of your income. Now, the happy thing about being part of this church is that we have no debt. Other than the most expensive uh, shaded parking on the planet. And we're, we're close to paying that thing off. But we have no debt. This is all free and clear. And so when you give, your money goes to kingdom work. And I love that. I love, you know, and, and I'm here so... But I love being able to give to a place where I know what I give is going to go to missions overseas. It's going to help us do our thing here in Phoenix. It's going to help us take care of needy people among us. That is a very awesome thing. All right, so feel good about that. If you're participating, if you're not, think about um, chipping in to the glory of God. So then what is it that we are rebuilding here? You know, Nehemiah knew that if there's no wall, there's no city. And he had to go back and help his countrymen. And because of this commitment, God blessed him, gave him favor with the king of Babylon. Said, yeah, Nehemiah, whatever you need. Letters, safe passage, timber from the forest, whatever you need, it's yours. Who does that? I mean, God was in, God involved when his people like Nehemiah became faithful and earnest. So here at FCC, our mission is to make disciples by helping people discover Jesus and grow as his followers. It's, it's everywhere. It's on every printed thing that comes out. It's at the top of your bulletin right here. That's who we are. We know that that's what God has called us to do. And so what we want to rebuild are the things that are critical to our mission. On the back of your bulletin is a list of opportunities for service at FCC. I want everybody to grab your bulletins, turn it over, and look at that top bulleted list there. I want to highlight just six of those things. These are areas that are critical to our mission. And the first one, uh, two, are our children and student ministries. People, listen. Um, we must rebuild those areas. They were on pause for quite a while. Uh, especially our younger kids, we, we, 
we just waited until we felt like, okay, we, we know how to make this safe now. In the first part of September, we restarted children's ministry for families that feel comfortable with that. It's been an awesome thing. Some of your kids are being blessed by that right now. And our students have never stopped, really. And now that is ramping up. We have a brand new student pastor. I'm going to talk about him in just a minute. But if we don't take care of our young families and our children, we're, we're done. We are totally done. And we have the opportunity to build into and invest in these young lives and help their parents raise them to be champions for Jesus who are full of faith, who know the Word of God, and it can be a guide to them as they make a difference in their schools, in their families, and in their neighborhoods. And that's what we want to do here at FCC. So I want to challenge you to think about joining us, investing an hour a week. Come here, worship an hour and serve an hour on Sunday. And pour yourself into these little kids and our students um, as they grow in Christ, and there's probably nothing better that you could do on a weekend, honestly. Probably nothing better that, that you could do. Uh, the next area <clears throat> is um, our, connect, our adult connection groups. We know that people grow best as followers of Jesus in small group environments where they're able to share life with each other, they're able to dig into the Word together. Our connections do that. It's more than a Bible study. But our connection groups dig in deeper to whatever it was that we talked about on Sunday during the week. All of our groups are meeting. Some of them are meeting in person. Some of them are meeting virtually still. If they have vulnerable members in their group, they're doing Zoom or they're doing Teams. But it still works. And it's an awesome way to get connected here at FCC. We're going to highlight those groups in the next few weeks and give you visual introductions of who these leaders are and what they're doing. But you can join a group through our website at, under the Connect tab. And the next, the next area is our care ministry, led by Kathleen Welcher, our care pastor. And basically what she's done is she's gathered a group of people who have the gift of mercy and encouragement, who love people, and they call our elderly, they, they keep track of our sick, they write cards of encouragement. Maybe they'll take a little gift and say hey from the front porch or the sidewalk. Um, just all kinds of awesome... Sometimes it's meals if we've had a, a family experience some sickness or illness or injury or, may, or a death, and we just try to take care of each other like that. And then um, grief share. Some of you don't know much about that, and I, I could be accused of conflict of interest here because my wife, Kathy, leads the grief share ministry, and what that does is it helps people who are, are in trauma and grief from the loss of a close loved one. And I hear stories all the time about people who have literally been stuck in grief and unable to move ahead emotionally and spiritually and even mentally. And how this group that gathers for 12 or 13 weeks about two or three times a year and studies and embraces each other, how this group just in love, lifts these people who have been stuck in grief. Very, very, very important ministry here. And some of you, um, I know that resonates with your heart. You would find uh, fulfillment in a job like that at FCC. And then finally, community service. FCC has the DNA 
of servanthood. And our community service is led by Pastor Jerome. He's taken it to a new level. And um, if you talk to our city government <clears throat> or other people around this town about when you encounter challenging situations in neighborhoods and, and city residents, who do you call? And they will say, First Christian Church, every single time. Our, our city does not make a move in solving difficult problems without us. I am so proud of that. Jerome has become a leader for us there. And we still do um, sweat equity projects all the time. In fact, I want you to mark your calendars for December 5th. December 5th, Saturday morning. If you have something on that morning, cancel it. And uh, we're going to go and take care of one of the sweetest elderly ladies that I've met in a long time. Her name is Letha Chestnut. And um, we're going to go paint her house and just kind of give it a little facelift. Her son is part of our church. And um, we're just going to go help him love his mother. So if you want to be in on that, mark your calendar for December 5th. And we will go and do an awesome thing to show the love of Jesus, not only to this woman, but to her family, some of whom don't know the Lord, and they're sort of watching from the sidelines just to see what's going to happen. We're going to show them what the people of Jesus do. Right on? Right on. All right, so there's that right here. And the other thing that in this rebuilding process that <clears throat> I want to share with you is a new vision for our campus. We are land rich here. God has blessed us with this amazing resource. And we feel like he wants it to be a missional campus, not just something that belongs to FCC. And we hang on and onto it and say, don't touch. This is our beautiful Frank Lloyd Wright campus and you stay off. We feel like God wants this to be used for his kingdom purposes. And honestly, a lot of it just sits there between Sundays. Um, but not anymore. So I want to share this with you. We're going to maximize the use of our campus and have a new vision, a new paradigm toward what God has given us to share with local mission partners, uh, many of whom are listed also on the back of your bulletin here, these bulleted list of mission partners. Just check this out. And so what we're doing is sharing this vision with all of them to see how FCC can partner with them to bless them to move their mission that God's given them forward, which, which connects just perfectly with who we are at FCC. And our first collaboration is with a, an organization called Christian Family Care that provides awesome family and individual counseling in our city from a biblical worldview. And they are <clears throat> we are partnering with them to build a trauma-informed preschool. And it's going in right over here across the parking lot, renovating this lower annex of the venue, the classroom wing. Um, this renovation will begin in the next few weeks. And what the preschool, which we hope to open in March next year, will do is gather children who have experienced or are experiencing some kind of trauma at home. Maybe they've been removed from their families. Maybe they've been in the system. Maybe mom or dad have been in prison and they're being reunited and the family is getting back together or there's been some sort of horrible crisis. And this preschool will love and nurture these children. 
and help God bring healing to the brokenness in them. And then in the evenings and weekends, spend time with their parents and, and help them learn how to be godly parents and get their personal acts together, their marriages together, and their parenting acts together. I am very, very excited about that. And we're, um, so we're moving um, Reap What You Sow into a new space. Um, and our food pantry, we're pushing pause just for a little while to get that figured out and find a new food source for us there. And Jerome's going to talk about that at the end of our service. But we're very excited about those things. It's taking um, some give and take and some sacrifice from all of us, but we see what God is doing. And this will also create um, revenue for FCC. Um, these relationships will be um, inexpensive leases, much better than you can find commercially on the outside. So we'll be blessing our local mission partners, but creating some revenue stream for our church that we can use for ministry. Um, so I hope you guys are excited about that, can get behind that, and we'll, we'll keep giving you a play-by-play -play as this unfolds. So that's what we are rebuilding. How do we rebuild? Essentially, we rebuild together. If you read Nehemiah chapter 3, it's just so incredible how this family rebuilt the wall in front of their home next to their neighbors who rebuilt the wall in front of their home next to their neighbors who rebuilt the wall in front of their home, and they all got it done together. Um, even goldsmiths, perfumers, women, and priests became block layers. Check this out. Uziel, son of... Yeah, uh, Hariah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Cool, man, it was a community effort. Um, and then, this was interesting, in verse 12, Shalom, son of Halohesh, and I, I wish that I had named one of my three sons Hallohesh. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, I'd love to introduce. This is Micah, Nick, and Hallohesh. But anyway, don't tell him. And it, he's ruler of half district of Jerusalem, and he repaired the next section with the help of his women. Arise! Unite! God uses you. And these gals joined their daddy and they rebuilt the wall. That is so cool. I love that. Um, another thing that you'll notice from, from this third chapter, and this part uh, upset me a little bit, but it was noteworthy. And Nehemiah wrote it down so that future generations would know about these dirt bags. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. And people, I want you to know that that is not how we roll at FCC. Nobody gets a pass. And your staff, these people whose salaries you pay, understand that at FCC, if a toilet needs to be cleaned, you will get down on the floor and clean that toilet and I will be the first in line. No one is above serving. No one is above doing 
the work. Now, how would you like to be one of these nobles who it became recorded history that you sat on your backside and didn't participate? How embarrassing. I do not want to be in that crowd. I hope none of you do either. Wow. Um, there was a, uh, a lovely old woman with lots of wisdom named Thelma Stram, and she used to say, many hands make much work light. And that was my grandma. And whenever you heard her say that, it meant get up off your backside because there's work to do, and many hands make much work light. And we, we kind of, it just added joy to whatever it was that we had to do that Grandma was rallying us to pitch in with. And everyone has a role. People, this is part of the family of God. I want you to pay attention to these next two scriptures. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Paul says, from him, meaning Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. That's all of us. Everyone in this house, all of you who are watching online, we are the supporting ligaments in the body of Christ. And we grow and we build itself up, the church, in love. How? As each part does its work. Say that with me. As each part does its work. I can't hear you. As each part does its work. Mm, I'm going to remind you all that you said that. That is so awesome. And then the Apostle Peter captured this idea too in his first letter to Christians that were scattered all over Asia Minor. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others faith as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We don't all have the same gift. But when we use what God's given us and we put it together with the rest of the people in God's family, it just fits and it makes things work and happen. It's a beautiful thing. Everyone has a role. And when we work together, it doesn't take forever. When we work together, it doesn't take forever. Check this out. Here's the results. Nehemiah 6, verse 15. He says, So the wall was completed. On the 25th of Elul, that's one of their lunar calendar months on the Hebrew calendar, in 52 days. Wow. That's an ancient miracle. And it happened because they did it together and because everyone had a role. They were willing to leave <clears throat> their little box of maybe what they had been trained to do as an occupation and contribute to build, building this wall because it's what had to be done. Awesome, awesome example for us. All right, so everybody take out that little yellow card that you received on your way in. Jerome, did you take mine? Give me that. I need my object lesson. All right, so did everybody receive one of these? Raise your hand if you do not have one. All right, I need some help. David? All right, ushers? Okay, we're going to retrain you this week. David and Mitch, would you help me pass these out? Can you help um, right there? Raise your hand. We've got people that are crying because they didn't get one. There's weeping, great weeping and gnashing of teeth here. Um, all right, we need some more help. One of you other guys pitch in and grab some from David. And uh, 
help him pass these out. All right. Everyone plays a role. That's so key. That's so important. Um, there's kind of an 80-20 rule in churches where um, leaders recognize that about 20% of the people do the work and 80% of the people enjoy the work that the other 20% are doing, but they don't help. And we don't want to be that way here at FCC. Everybody has a role to play. And you will find joy when you find your niche in the kingdom. And it can be something as simple as something that you might do on a Sunday morning here to bless your, fan, your, your uh, church family. So if you are already serving, then write down what it is you're doing on this first line. I am currently doing what to serve my church at FCC? We want to thank you. We want to know that you're serving. And we want to keep track of that. Um, if, if you haven't found a place of service yet, no judgment, but here's your opportunity. Number two, I commit to be trained to do whatever it is. And we want you to know that we're not just going to throw you in there and say, hey, figure it out. We have training. Um, we have somebody that you can go alongside with who's currently doing that, that'll help you learn the ropes of spending time with our kids or our students or whatever it is in, in the care ministry, community service, grief, whatever it is. I commit to being trained to do this. And put your name, your phone, your email right there. Um, if you feel like you need to think and pray about this for a while, take this with you. And, and, and think about it and take your bulletin and look at all those different areas that you could serve here at FCC. All right. Any questions? All right, that's good. Here's the big idea. We will rebuild FCC together joyfully, each one of us doing our part, Humbly, depending on God and sharing what God has given us with other like-minded kingdom players. Let's do this. Right on? Right on. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, you have given yourself completely in the most unspeakable, dramatic way. And this morning... As your children, we recommit and give ourselves back to you to show you our love by how we love and serve each other. In Jesus' name, we ask for your help and strength toward this end.